Welcome back to the Tim and Tony podcast. My name is Tony Felix. My name is Tim LaDuke. All right, Tim. So we've got a couple topics uh, for the listeners today. What's our first one? Yes, we do. Um, and truth be told, Tony, none is, is more important than the one we're going to lead off with. Um, I don't know if you've been watching the news at all recently, but with the, uh, the protests going on around the country, um, to open things back up prematurely. Here's the thing. Yes. Here's the thing. Um, these people that like claim to have so much respect for history and the roots of our country, in comparison to what this country has had to do in the past to get through devastating moments like this, this really isn't up to the same level. Is that fair? Like, oh, back, elaborate. I'm not quite sure what you mean. I'm thinking back like World War II, where they're literally like fucking rationing food. Every single male between 18 and 30 is gone at war. We're left with half our population to figure out how to man all these factories. Well, no. So I, I think where the disconnect is, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is what you're saying. Um, you're saying that people aren't reacting to the necessary height that they did during World War II and the like. Yes? What I'm saying is it's, is it's disappointing because, you know, this thing has been horrible for a million different reasons, but one of the things that I hoped could come out of it was some sense of like unity or some sense of like national pride, some, something that would bring us together to, to fight this thing. And it, it hasn't done that. I mean, you see like a huge portion of the country who just can't see straight, who just like look at the economic numbers and are like, and obviously look at their own financial situation. Like what the fuck's going on? And, and by the way, by the way, I completely agree with you. What we're having to do right now is utterly and completely ridiculous, but there's a reason that we have to do it. And it starts at the top. I mean, am I Yeah. I mean, well, no, I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're wrong. Um, but I, I, I think where the disconnect is, is just that people don't see it as big of a deal as World War Two and the like, or say 9-11 or something to that effect. I, I just think that where we are now, um, and I, I know we've, you and I have talked about this off air uh, multiple times, specifically recently, Group A is going to think, you know, thing A. And group B is going to think thing B. No matter what is actually happening, each group is going to think whatever they want to think, irregardless of what the truth is. And so I'm not saying group A is better than group B or group B is better than group A. I'm merely saying that two groups are going to think two separate things regardless of what's actually happening. And so... While one group is reacting, you know, in our eyes correctly, there's another group that thinks that they're also reacting correctly, and it's yeah, it, I, I get that it, it, it's 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 depressing. But you know, just to kind of tie this thing with a bow, I guess what's disheartening for me is that the thing that this has taught me is that there's just nothing that can happen that's going to bring us any closer together. Like in terms of ideology, this is about as bad a thing as you can have happen to a country. This is about as devastating a thing that's happened actually on our soil. Um, when you look back on it, it's obviously not the worst in terms of deaths. Um, 
going back to the the Civil War, Revolutionary War, and all that. But I mean, this is about as bad a thing that can happen modernly. And to see it actually cause the fractures and divides to get further, I actually think is disheartening and, and says a lot of really bad things about where our society is. And I'm 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 actually I'm I know that we we try to keep it light on this podcast and we're going to here in a second, but that that is like entirely disheartening to me and just been totally on my mind recently. I don't know. Oh, I, I mean, and it should be on your mind because, you know, it's the, like you said at the top, it's the most important thing that's going on right now. I mean, disheartening is a good word for it. It's depressing. It's really disconcerting. It's um, almost shameful, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you look at the situation as it is, I, I the, the, the tough part is everyone gets their news from different sources. And everyone's hearing different messages and everyone's hearing these such fractured uh, ideologies and fractured uh, viewpoints. No one is really going to, you know, react in the same way. And as, as they did in World War II and in other situations, because we were all getting our news from essentially the same source. And now it's just, it, it's, it's different. We live in a very, very different world than we did back then because of how society is just becoming so much more regional and it's just becoming so much more, uh, you know, this is what I think. These are the people that think like me and I'm just going to ride with it. You, you know, Twitter, you create right. an echo right. chamber. You, you create your own echo chamber because you only follow the people that you want to hear. And, you know, we're all guilty of it in at least some form or Agreed. another, but it's just... It's it's just disheartening to see it play out in a situation where we all do really need to band together and agree on a course of action. Like, yeah, just not not going on too much of a ramp. But like today, I had to return a package to our you know our corporate overlord Jeff Bezos, and I go to return it. I'm the only person at the UPS store wearing a mask. Yeah. There's there's five other people in that store, including including the people that I'm in line with, and no one else is wearing a mask. Now, I am I right? Are they right? Is there something in the middle? I I, I don't know. Um, yeah, there needs to be a much larger conversation about it. But it just seems I mean, like that you're right. It's a very fractured response. Yeah, and I, I I just think it's such a good point. We're gonna move on here for the people who are tired of this, but. I just think it's such a good point that as connected as society has really become over the last 10 years, especially we're more fractured than ever. It's actually like split us apart into like smaller microgroups than, than ever before. And we just kind of hold steady and fast to that. Uh, yeah. Because we, we used to have to wait until Walter Cronkite to give us the news over like a 20 to 30 or whatever minute period. And we would all tune in for that, and that was our news for the day. Now it's now it's whatever news source you want to get it from is what exactly. you can get it from, and you have it at the palm of your hand. Right. Um, well, moving on uh, to some lighter topics. Um, <laughs> we're going to get to the Jordan doc here in a second, but there's been uh, some really interesting stuff in the sports world as well going on this week. A lot of people are starting to see the writing on the wall that there may not be a college football season this year, or if it is, it'll be uh, modified in some way. And we've already lost March madness. Um, we saw Jalen green go to the G league, skipping college altogether. What's really been interesting to me, Tony is seeing people's reaction to this as it's like, this is the end of college. It's like, Oh my God, what are we going to like the NBA ruined college basketball. And to be honest, the only thing I could think of as I was watching all this, you know what is ruining college sports? You know what's like really their competition if they want to really get into the nitty and gritty? It's fucking what's Netflix. That? It's Netflix. It's all the other things that I can watch now. You don't – here's the thing. You can't just be sports on TV anymore. That's not good enough. I have a million different things I can do at any given time to spend my downtime. I'm not going to spend it watching amateur players when I know the best ones I'm going to see in a few years anyway. I'm just not like 
viewership. I'm, I'm sorry for for everybody who lives in the South and all that. Like, I'm I'm really sorry. I know it's a big thing there. It's just not anywhere else. Okay, and it, it's because the product isn't that good. It's not as good as as pro sports, and it never has been. And people are acting like like the coronavirus is is what's harming it. It's like no, like what's harming it is that there's just better shit out there. And and frankly, it shouldn't. We shouldn't have the current system that we do. I mean, we have this absurd system where we have like public not for profit organizations running hundred million dollar businesses. And we've just kind so, of kept it, but like what the fuck? So I I I I wanted to push back just on one specific thing. I, I wouldn't Good. say that the I wouldn't say that the product is necessarily better or worse. Um I just think that oh, it's, it's worse different. in basketball. It's definitely worse. Well, well, hold hold on. It, I would argue that it's different, and I know that that sounds like a cop out answer. But what I mean by that is, is that it's a different level of play. I, I wouldn't say that it's a worse level of play in the sense that it's worse to watch because there's a ton of people that watch specifically college football. I I haven't checked out the numbers, but I would just venture to say that. NBA gets NBA basketball gets higher ratings than college basketball does, though I'm I'm totally okay with being wrong on that. But I mean, college football gets insane ratings in certain markets, and it's not. I mean, it's not necessarily just the South. It's huge in Michigan. It's huge in Ohio. It's huge in Nebraska. Okay. It's huge. It's huge in a lot of different areas. Yeah, but you I know just what think this that, could do that might actually be positive, though, is that is that it might force these schools. I don't know. Like we're going to see a lot less schools have football programs after this. That's definitely going to be one of the things that comes out of this, but maybe we're going to wake up and realize that this shouldn't be like at a state run institution because it creates so many legal issues, mostly with paying players and which players do you pay and things like that, that it's just absurd, the current system that we have. And maybe this will be the first stepping stone to making it actually make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that we used to talk about this a lot um, around, I believe, the Urban Meyer Ohio State scandals. We were talking about a lot of this stuff. But I I, I believe it was Josh Rosen, or, uh, was it a year ago or two years ago, that came up with this whole system of allowing players to choose between a scholarship and a likely priced, um, you know, stipend or cash or whatever in lieu of actually going to school, but still representing the school. I, yeah. I definitely think I, I definitely want to pay you to play football here. I definitely think that a system like that would be good because then, you know, you're, you're still operating under the infrastructure that has been created. Obviously, the NCAA carries with it a lot of problems, but it also yeah, carries it's not honest. To be the- it's also honest. We're being honest about what we're doing. These kids aren't like this. Like Nick Saban, famously, like the, 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 his kids aren't going to practice. His kids aren't going to class. He wants them to practice. Yeah. So I mean, it's. I definitely think that there needs to be a little bit more innovation behind how college football specifically, because it's such a money generator for these colleges. I do think that these colleges need to get more innovative and Hey, ASU number one innovation inside joke for those uh, ASU people. They will be the Uh, last person to solve this problem, but yeah. (laughs) But I, I do think that there needs to be some new thought put to this in that the current system is obviously not working. Um, the new or the current system has been oppressive in a very specific way to against these players. How it's they're basically just hamsters on a wheel, and they're propping up these schools by their play and by their likeness, to use a charge word. Um, it, it, it needs to change, and I think that it's going to. I definitely think that this is going to accelerate it. I'm interested to see where it goes. But I do think that we're still going to see the NCAA in some form of another, specifically in football. Yeah. Uh, because it, the NFL doesn't seem like it's really putting any efforts towards another league. The NBA with the G League, the more that that becomes robust and the more uh, Jalen Greens that come into the G League. How much better is the XFL, though, if you just bring in college players? I mean, 
Well, the problem is, is that the XFL, I believe by all accounts, has shut their doors, and I don't think well, they're going to have the funding to come back. Yeah, but but the other point that I want to make, and I, I should have led with this also, is that ratings for college football have been down for the last decade, every year. Okay, it's it's getting less and less popular as we have more options of what to watch. Well, but hasn't hasn't that been pretty much everything? Like all shows just on television? It's not been sports. Down, like not live sports. Live sports are all up. College sports are down because the product was never like I'm sorry, like you can make this argument until you're blue in the face. It's not as good of a product. It's not as entertaining. If it was, it wouldn't have gotten swallowed up by like Instagram and HBO and all this other shit that I can do. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it's just not as entertaining. And I don't know. Like, I, I think it's, it's kind of time to wake up. Like, should, should a school of like 5,000 kids be dropping millions of dollars into their fucking football program? No, no, they shouldn't. Like, if it's an argument of like, what are we going to do with southeastern Louisiana State? I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm sorry. Like, they're relevant now. They, they always have been. Like, I, I don't even know what the point of making that argument is. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I will say the difference in how sports are handled. So I. As you know, but maybe the listeners don't, for, you know, for undergrad, I went to Arizona State, as did a lot of our listeners. Um, and now I'm going to school at the University of San Diego, a much smaller school. And we've got, you know, some sports, not all of them. The amount of money that they just push into our one matchup against Gonzaga every single year, it's, you are right in that. The, the fact that we have a basketball team that's not that good that just goes all out for this one matchup, it definitely feels weird. And not not really a lot of people go to it, like a bunch of freshmen do. But, like, the student section is never that filled. But it's they're spending all this money on it. It just – Exactly. And you know what's even weirder is that their students are graduating into complete and utter poverty because of how high tuition prices are and how high everything how, – how expensive shit is. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I know that they say that, like, most of the football money comes directly from boosters into that. That's just not how money works. Like, you expect me to believe that every single dime, like, goes into the separate account that Michael Crow isn't allowed to touch unless it's explicitly for football purposes? Like, you know what he could argue is for football purposes? Building new buildings around the stadium. Like, it's just bullshit. Yeah, yeah. To to attract new... Yeah, to attract new recruits and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah, no, and I'm and I'm making that point, and it's <laughs> especially for schools like Arizona State, who are one of, if not the largest, uh, university that we have. It's <laughs> when when you see buildings that get put up that are empty, that are you know, God knows how much money they actually cost. It really makes you think about the system that we have in general, not even just yeah, college sports, but just, yeah, what what it actually incentivizes and just being able to take a picture for these recruits that have never mm-hmm. even seen the campus and then they show up and they're underwhelmed, but they've already signed a letter of intent and it's this whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, like I said, I do think there needs to be some innovation, but I do think it's going to come from the NCAA because I think that they like money too much, and I think oh. that they're not going to become ir- they're not going to let themselves become irrelevant. No, I, I don't. I don't believe so either. But I think that if we have to cut some fat and like fucking like I know I keep joking about like southeastern Louisiana state has to go. Like I don't think that's a bad thing, honestly. Or, or not. Really or not even not 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 even just go to that region. Maybe USD University of San Diego doesn't need. A basketball, baseball, football, lacrosse, yeah. swim team. Maybe, maybe my maybe my school doesn't need all that because there's just not going to be Yeah, if you can't go a year without having like the full fledged product without going like bankrupt, then what the hell are you doing? I don't know. Um, uh, we, these are two very serious topics for us, Tony. <laughs> like, there's been well, nothing what? fun about the the well, initial twenty minutes to these podcasts. 
Well, let me let me bring some levity to this because this was this was really fun. Um, the for for those of you that are living under a rock and don't enjoy watching anything or entertainment during these entertainment star times, the Last Dance, uh, the joint venture between ESPN and Netflix, um, the Jordan documentary, as it's generally called, first two episodes came out this past Sunday. I, I my my first impression was I loved it. Um, yeah. What, what 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 was your sort of first impression in like one phrase? Uh, well, one of them was I had no idea how prevalently involved Netflix and Facebook were. Um, good for them. Specific, well, no, it's no, they're now the Facebook company. Yeah. Well, no, they. Yeah, <laughs> but my my just like you know, I guess one sentence. How did I feel about it? I it seems to me like they're really trying to soften whatever blow they're going to land because so much about the press tour of this has been about like Jordan, like preemptively apologizing and people who have seen the film going like, yeah, it's, it's going to bother some people when, when they see what he said. And to be honest, we didn't see a lot of that in the first two episodes. And from what I've heard, uh, those were mostly the expository episodes. And now we're going to really get into the meat of the, the behind footage that they have which i'm looking forward to but these two episodes yeah, i mean the, they were softening the blow even though even though there were some controversial stuff in it that we should talk about yeah the cocaine circus for one uh the which we missed initially it, we missed like we did the funniest part of the whole documentary when it first aired because we had to pause it and do this anyway yeah yeah because you and i watched it uh together it was this whole thing uh and you know i i really enjoyed it the yeah. the one thing that was really cool, and I don't know if you have any specific points that you wanted to hit, but the one thing, because I, I went back and rewatched it before we did this, the one thing that really stood out to me were the were the UNC highlights. Like just seeing how much of just already a damn near finished product Michael Jordan was in college, to see him do those two-handed cradle dunks jumping from the dotted line. It's just, it, it's insanity. It is absolutely insanity. What stood out to me about the college stuff, um, and this is obviously not an original point, it's been made over and over again, was just the unselfishness that Dean Smith um, exhibited that I, I don't think is that prevalent in, in college sports right now, especially on the football side. Um, yeah, I mean that you all you have to do is look to I mean John Thompson at Georgetown <laughs> basically twisting Patrick Ewing's arm to stay. I mean that's it's what I mean. It, it, it's tough. It, it was a tough time for for college players back then just just <laughs> well, yeah. We're, we're, we're I'm trying to bring levity to the podcast. So I'm trying to <laughs> trying to take it from a more positive point of view. But yeah. I mean Virgin on corrupt. <laughs> well, yeah, and to to perfectly illustrate how tough of a time it was for players, not even just college players. Again, I don't know if you, I don't know if there was anything specifically that you wanted to hit, but that Scottie Pippen seven year, eighteen million dollar contract, like just wow, what a yeah, like I like he he explains why he took it, and I completely get it, and I like hey. Like do what you got to do. Make sure you can take care of take care of your stuff. But well, okay, damn, damn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the big losers out of this, obviously, are Jerry Krause and, and Scotty Pippen's agent, basically. Um, and and Jerry Krause again. But yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll do this now. I was going to get to this later, but you know, I, I went back and I read a couple of the pieces universally. And and by the way. Jordan said this, like this was like 2020 Jordan saying this was like the overwhelming belief was that Scotty was kind of a selfish prick for wanting more money. And they didn't understand why he was upset. I, okay. I was not there. I, I was not, I was barely conscious and alive when all this was happening, but this guy's background, like he literally lived in this world where just the very essence of life is just uncertain. 
at any given moment, like his, his dad has a stroke. His, his brother becomes paralyzed in an accident. Like in a blink of an eye, just things change. And to have any kind of certainty, like having that six or seven year deal, you just totally understand why you would take it. I, I think it's weird that for people to say like they don't get why he took it. That's weird to me. It's like if you look at his background, it makes total sense. It actually, not to get too far off, but I mean, this is a problem in baseball with the with the Hispanic players, where they come from such just abject poverty, where just you know, on their lives just kind of blow with the wind to some degree, that they take these long deals that have very low annual um, amounts attached to them, and it, it's the same thing. They're, they're looking for security because of the background they come from. It makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. And the, the one thing that doesn't make sense to me is, okay, so you're Jerry Krause, you're Jerry Reinsdorf, and you've got, you've got this player. You've got this player that you know is amazing because he's already won five rings. And he, you know that he's a perfect fit with the, arguably, well, at that point, undoubtedly the greatest player that's ever played basketball. And... You're gonna let him walk for some reason out of your pettiness. Yeah, because you're just petty. You're being a dick, and you don't. You, you want to feel like you have power. I don't understand yeah. how you don't already feel like you have power, given that you're paying the dude what two million dollars a fucking year. Like, how is it that you don't already? Are, are how are you not already getting off on that power trip? And yeah, I, I, I thought they explained it well. I, I did. I thought they explained it well where they talked about how the salary cap jumped right after he signed the deal. And when he signed it, it, it wasn't that bad, you know? And my thing was speaking, did you believe Reinsdorf that he actually told him not to sign it? Cause I, I did. Absolutely not. Absolutely because not. I know too much about that fucking snake to actually believe that. There's just no way. There's no way that There's he looked. This, this deal that was just ridiculously good for him and advised the other side against it. Man, and, I, I mean, I, 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 I said it, I mean, I said it to you when we were watching it. Jerry Reinsdorf looks like the most boring Bond villain that we've ever seen. And that's like what he, 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 yeah. And he's not, he's, there's no, there's no place on earth. There's no time that has ever existed where a Jerry Reinsdorf is telling a Scotty Pippen to not take that deal because he's not making enough money or anything even remotely yeah. close to that. Yeah, there, sure. there is one a, owner that would do that now. Like, <laughs> let's just. I, and by the way, if I'm the owner, I'm not doing that because if I'm an owner and I have that much money to 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 be able to buy a franchise like that, that means that I'm a good business mind. This is a business for me. There is no way in hell I'm ta I'm telling the person who's taking money to take more from me. There, there's no way. But for no, for Jerry Reinsdorf, millions of dollars. For Jerry Reinsdorf to say that, I mean, I kind of understand what he's saying that he doesn't think that they should have offered him. If what he's saying is they, he thinks that they should be have been offering that long of a contract. Okay, that's different. But to have Jerry Reinsdorf sit up there and say that Scotty Pippen should have negotiated for more money and he yeah, that's told bullshit. him that, that's, that's, that's absolutely utter bullshit. There's, there's just no way that happened. And I mean, what I kind of found humorous and I know, <laughs> I know that like uh, Krauss really is just kind of the asshole of this whole documentary apparently, but I mean. Which, which re really quick, I would like to note. It, it does. Does it feel as weird to you as it does for me that the one guy that's still not living that's in this story is the one dude that's just getting consistently shit on? Well, okay. Like I, it, it does. It does feel a little weird to me. Not, not to me. Uh, honestly, not to me. I because <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm not being a dick at all. I'm, I, it doesn't feel that weird to me. I I think that I think it's perfectly appropriate to go back and analyze what this guy did professionally and how he was perceived by his professional peers. I think that that's fair. I mean, 
the doc didn't really give him a lot of credit for a lot of the moves he made. I mean, again, he brings in Scotty, he brings in Horace Grant. I mean, he puts the team together. I mean, before he gets there, you know, Jordan's on that team. That's like 20 games under 500. who just gets swept out by Boston. Like, I mean, yeah, which I, I, a certain amount of credit, but like, are we, are we going to do this now? Cause he really fucked this up <laughs> in a way that well, but, I didn't know how bad it was. <laughs> what's funny is, is the, the worst, I, I think the worst beat that anyone has had on the top of my head is that GM in 1984 who drafted Michael Jordan. And then he oh, just yeah. gets fired the next year. Like how yeah, just you're, you're the guy that drafted Michael Jordan. And then you just didn't get any time to try, even try and make the team better. Like just Sarver would have done it. <laughs> Sarver would have done it because he did it with the guy that drafted Booker like two years later. But you know, okay. Real quick aside. A lot of people have gotten on me and been like, I want to hear you say one nice thing about a sports owner. And I'll just say that no. like, when there's something no. nice to say, when there's something nice to say, I'll say it. There's just not a lot nice to say. Oh, if someone it, it just sports owners in general. Okay. I, here I've got, I've got plenty of nice things and complimentary things to say about Robert Kraft. If you, if you want no, to no, give no, me this no, time. No, 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 no. No, that completely different podcast. No, no, we're not doing that. I mean, do you, speaking of which, did you check out those new uniforms? I'm not talking about that. They, 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 they look great. To talk about this. Oh, don't, oh, don't worry. There's, there's Patriots Bulls uh, parallels that I'm going to be bringing up in a second. So go ahead. The uh, what I found interesting. Just as a generalization, and we'll get back into specifics later, and I, I talked to you about this right after we watched it, was just there's a huge disconnect between who MJ is now and who he was as a player. And that and that's true for a lot of guys. You know, like, I mean, Kobe famously, when he was asked, like, what's one word you would use to describe retirement? He said, peace. And I think that that's true for a lot of these guys who have been grinding their entire lives. That's all they know. And then they finally get a chance to relax. But with Jordan, it's when you see that guy just rip people, new assholes for virtually no reason at all. And then he just, for the next 20 years says nothing ever. And is like an utter recluse. It's, it's kind of shocking to some degree to me. You, you want to know why I know that man's not at peace. I guess it's because, have you looked at how the Charlotte Hornets have been doing recently? <laughs> yeah, but even that, like, like how is he not getting interviewed all the time for that and giving out like Mark Cuban uh, early two thousands quotes? Like, how I don't how that situation maybe, not drive him crazy to the point where he's just like getting fined all the time for quotes in the media. I mean, I, maybe you can only keep up that sort of demeanor so long. Maybe he likes being married too much. Maybe he likes spending time with his kids. And maybe he just, it, maybe it just takes too much time to be consistently just that ravenous for the next level of success. And I, yeah, because he know, was psychotic to the point where he had to take two years off, you know, basically two years off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's who knows because and maybe the baseball thing humbled him to the point where he thought that after he retired that he was going to do this but that's also kind of negated by what we've seen in the in all the 1998 stuff um like him not even really acknowledging the guy that's sitting on the bench next to him at that <laughs> exhibition game I mean, you, you, you want to talk about being just a, just a dick. <laughs> like he's oh, yeah, just, he's a dick. Like, and which is, which is fine. And that's everything that I expect for someone like that. Like just point. No. Like, like the, the, the thing that I, I found so fascinating about him though, is that it's still in there. You know, like when they when they talk about moments in his career and he goes back and he's doing like play for play or he's he's kind of recanting something that you can tell kind of pisses him off. 
like you can still hit a nerve with him. Like it's not like that that muscle just completely went away. And that's what's so shocking that he's been so silent because it seems like you can trigger that guy pretty easily. Well, and and that actually kind of segues perfectly into something that I did want to mention. So you you mentioned hitting a nerve, and if all I'm gonna say is if the rumors are true that he reached out to the people that were the powers that be that were making this documentary hours after the 2016 finals if that's true i mean that's that's amazing that that for just like basketball fodder and just nba discussion that's so interesting that jordan was like you were saying a recluse for years and then the first peep that we hear from him is a reaction from LeBron coming back three to one That's against the I mean. seventy three win Warriors. That's his personality, though. Like from the little I've seen and know of him, that is his personality. He gets like he trips fuses just super easily, and that's my point. Like we've we've barely heard anything from him since he retired. That's kind of amazing for someone like that who's just. He's just a dick. Like, I can't help you know, it. Just comments I, on anything. gets angry really easily. Like, I believe I, 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 the story. I mean, the guy who made the documentary basically confirmed as much. That they were already talking to him, right? Like, they initially talked with him, like, at the draft or whatever. And then he kind of reached out again after that game. So it's not like he wakes up in a fever and is like, hey, make the doc. Like, it's, it's not quite that bad. But it's, it's well, but that's much that's much more satisfying for me. So thanks for yeah, that's, ruining that's that. Fine, but the Go reality ahead. is, is like they were talking to him <laughs> about it, not like every single week or every single month, but they were talking to him sure. about it, get him to do it, and sure. that happens, and that, that might be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Who knows? I mean, for me, I think that the Jason Air quote where he he basically said that, look, Michael, there's there's kids that come to work for me that are legally old enough to come work for me with the skills to come work in my office that wear your shit and have never seen you play. And that quote resonated so much with me because I remember some of his stuff on the Wizards. I do a a little bit, but I don't remember anything from the Bulls. And I obviously I was born in 95 late. So I I don't remember anything about the first run. I've only experienced him through highlights and, and through stories basically my whole life. And I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, I know that we're going to talk about this, but aside from the quarantine, this was the time to do it. Like, it's been enough time. There's a whole generation of people who has no idea who the hell you are, but still basically accepts that you're the greatest to ever do this profession. Yeah. So before we get to that, though, I did want to kind of provide my sort of conjecture response to why we didn't really hear from him for so long. My theory is that he just thinks, or and rightfully so thinks, that he's above it. That he's above the sort of daily conversation because it should be hands down, no doubt about it. Everyone else, just be quiet. He's the greatest ever. And the the thing that kind of uh, pointed itself out to me was I was scrolling through Twitter um, at actually Sunday night after watching it. And that video of him and Tom Brady in the Bahamas playing basketball popped up. Yeah. like th- it, it seems like that that's sort of his thing now. He liked and, – and he and Brady play golf. And it's like – But that's weird because he grew up relatively poor. You know what I mean? Like it's not like he's some trust fund kid that was just always kind of above the fray. Sure. But neither was Brady. So I yeah, but but Brady's I don't know. I I just I guess I guess what 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 I'm saying is is he I would imagine, and it's completely natural to think this. I would imagine he just thinks that he doesn't need to talk anymore. He has all the highlights. He has the six rings. He has all that stuff. Yeah, but sitting out there for people to enjoy. I know, but guys like that, like, 
most of them can just never turn it off. And that's why you see billionaires like Balmer who just their whole life, they know nothing but to go a million miles an hour. Well, and you know what? And maybe he's going a million miles an hour at the blackjack table. Maybe he's just tired. <laughs> maybe he's just still not sleeping, but now he's just a little tired. He's getting a little older. Okay. That, you know what? That is fair. Like, he may have just embraced gambling. And if he has, God love him. You know, we support it on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, may, maybe he's still putting in those hours. Maybe he's still playing as much golf as he used to. And you know what he can't do? The one thing he can't do anymore is just. Yeah. And maybe the one thing that you just can't do anymore is talk as much shit because he's just tired. Maybe, I, I, I don't I don't know. But it definitely seems like he's got a lot of vices that take a lot of time. Because yeah, I don't know about think, you, but golf I takes a lot of time. It does, especially when you're as bad as I am. But when yeah. you look at some of these quotes, like he wasn't a bad interview. Like Brady's kind of a bad interview. You know what I mean? Like, and you can oh, say I it's mean, purposeful it's so or whatever, but system. But he's he's really dull. Like as an interview. Oh, and doesn't oh, that he absolutely is and the. Well, but the best, the best explanation or the best example of Brady being just kind of dull and just really, really, really good at one thing. Did you know that Tom Brady one time hosted Saturday Night Live? No, that sounds hilarious, though. Like in a bad way. It's it's awful. Yeah, it's, I can it's, say it's it doesn't awful. strike me as someone who's very entertaining. Like naturally, he's he is a fucking weirdo who's really good at one thing. <laughs> Yeah, and what's what's funny is, is I believe it was after the uh, after the third Super Bowl win. I believe it was that off season after where he did that, and like he goes on, and you can just tell once the lights hit, he's like, "Oh wait, I, uh, what do I do now? I'm not reading a defense. Like what's going on?" And it just sucked. Like Peyton Manning, you, you know what, everybody, I, this is going to be a momentous occasion for our listeners i'm about to tell everybody something that peyton manning's better at tom brady at because there's so few the one thing that peyton manning is better at than tom brady is like you know being personable it nothing to do with football obviously but like talking and being compelling he's actually better in that so congrats peyton congrats i agree you know something that popped in my mind we haven't had any professional athletes on this podcast yet, but I now I now have some some people that I want to focus in on and, and tell me if you agree. I'd really like to get somebody from that '84 team who is sitting there watching the watching the doc with their family, and I want to ask them like, what's what's sincerely what was more uncomfortable? The first time like a sex scene in a movie came on and your kids were there and you just forgot about it and you're like, oh, what the fuck? Like that that's weird. Cause and I've only experienced that from the kids in. Oh, oh no, Tim. I have a perfect I, I would have a perfect question for them. Do you think that it would be more uncomfortable for them to have experienced that documentary with the cocaine circuits comment? Or do you think it would be more awkward for them to watch the Cal Drogo um Khaleesi scene shall we say at the beginning of game of thrones that's exactly what i was getting to and my my point is i was just thinking about what these guys are saying like when their wives or girlfriends or whatever like look over at them like nah baby that wasn't me (laughs) like what do you do like what are you supposed to say i don't know like um it's just a drive-by like there's no way they were warned of it see what i what i would say is you got to know that it happened and you got to know that, I mean, ESPN warned everybody they're going to say, fuck. You got to think that you have the foresight. If you're one of those guys to be like, okay, I need to watch this first just to make sure, just, just to make sure there's not just like that. Random if you're there in 84, you probably think you're safe. You know what I mean? Like this is like the you think. The story of the 98 team and like you probably think you're pretty safe if you're on that 84 team. You're maybe a blip. You're definitely not like having your whole cocaine operation just like <laughs> blown up on national television. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Was, like that, that is not that my goal. Beat. Like I, I think that that should be our first professional athlete that we get on. I'd really like to know. 
like how they or in, and they're available or in, i'm sure well, and the thing is, is according to my fellow uh, LeBron fans, I mean, a lot of these guys were plumbers. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure that a lo- I'm sure a lot of them are pretty available. So, yeah. So, I, I, I know that we we have to talk about. That. Really, I want to do the LeBron uh, MJ thing because it's such an annoying sports topic. But I wanted to do that after we had seen every single episode. Yeah, I was gonna say let's save that because I I, I do want to save it, but yeah. There's their relationship is really weird. And I think that it it speaks to more on Jordan's side, because I think that especially with LeBron coming in, there was nothing but admiration from his side. And I wonder if we're ever going to get that full story. My guess is no. And I, I would just like to say, I, I very rarely agree with Stephen A, but his point today where he's like, when people say they think LeBron's the second best player of all time, his fans react like we just said he can't play. Like, that is true. And that is very, very annoying. Like, we have, you know, 70, 80 years of players coming into the league, and we're saying you're the second best ever to do this profession. And, like, yeah. not only do people recoil from that, they get, like, overtly upset about it. Like, you just slap their dog or something. Yeah. I mean, the, the sort of weird thing is the, the other parallel that we have with like the greatest player ever at that moment in time. And then another player coming in and challenging that the only other really parallel that we have. And again, I apologize to the listeners for me to keep bringing up Tom Brady, but Tom Brady and Joe Montana, they have a different relationship because Brady was specifically, not only was he a Montana fan, like LeBron was a Jordan fan, but Brady grew up in the San Francisco area. He grew up in the Bay area. He grew up, his family was season ticket holders for the 49ers. And like, there's the, there was just a different sort of level of appreciation that Brady had and has for Montana it's in Montana by all accounts wasn't nearly the sort of you know ravenous asshole that Jordan and <laughs> the stubborn prick that Jordan is. Yeah, I mean, look, I find it wildly entertaining, and I forget who was saying it, but I, I weirdly do find it kind of motivating to see a human being just have this force of will that I've never seen. Yes, but I it is motivating, but. At the same time, I just can't help but think, like, I would not. Like, I'd, I would enjoy winning above all else, but I wouldn't want someone like that like as my boss. Like, we would definitely fight with some of the shit that I've already seen from him. Well, like, well, well and, and they do fight. And yeah, apparently, they do. They do. And justifiably so. Reportedly, we get to see the uh, Jordan punching Steve Kerr in episode six. That's that's the report, anyways. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very very that's much looking forward to that. Upset. That's why I was upset that they brought Steve Kerr on ESPN last night. Like you don't want to burn that. You you want to bring in Kerr fresh off that episode. <laughs> like <laughs> you don't want him to have had practice answering the questions. You know, you just kind of want to broadside him <laughs> with that. Because, like, Kerr is always so well-spoken. I just, I don't know. I, I'm really curious to see how how that all goes. But Yeah, in fact, Kerr's even getting in the podcast game, which is which is interesting. I know. He's competing directly with us. He heard about our podcast and was like, no. Oh, abs- absolutely. Him and Pete Carroll got together, and they're like, we're taking those fuckers down. What are the odds that Pete Carroll had never heard of a podcast before? Before he was asked to do one. So I did listen to the podcast. Apparently he figured out the uh, technology of the recording technology before Steve Kerr did. So who knows? So who knows? Actually it's interesting. You know, he's, he really, that guy really is kind of surprising with some of the stuff he knows and doesn't know. Um, Uh, Yeah. Like what to call on, uh, you know, on the goal line, on the two yard line with the Super Bowl line. But yeah, the last thing I want to say about the Jordan doc before we head out, I mean, I know it's been beaten to death, but God damn it, do we need this right now? Like, seriously, like, we need this 
we need the bachelor we need some semblance of normal like just to be on twitter last night and it not being just horrifically <laughs> crude jokes constantly and like people were actually talking about this like i can't tell you how good that made me feel like yeah I, yeah the, the the scotty pippen getting the stimulus check jokes are oh, just hilarious they were great they're just hilarious and and jordan just throwing him under the bus calling him selfish was amazing yeah, and like and then and then seeing the graphic where it's oh yeah michael jordan is making 33 million dollars scotty pippen was making two like, and he's mm, all this time to think about that take. Like, that's the amazing thing is that it wasn't 1998. It was like, this guy's had like 20 years to think about this. And his take is still, no, fuck that guy. That guy was being selfish. Like, well, because that's the, same, that's the same guy who said that he they should be able to keep defending their title until the, they're no longer the title holders. So he probably resents Scotty, <laughs> which is amazing. I, but he probably resents Scotty. And I mean, Scotty's also said that Jordan or that LeBron was a better player than Jordan. So I mean, who knows what their relationship actually and, is at this point? And they've always kind of said the right stuff. And even in this doc, you see that they they do get along, you know. But oh, very well. God, they seem to get along, but their personalities are so diametrically opposed that, like, I don't know. I, I could see them fighting a lot, a lot too, and. They've again, Jordan's been such a recluse. We don't really know what his life's been like since he retired. We haven't seen those two together a whole hell of a lot. Since you, know, you know, I, I I would actually guess that they never really fought because the sense that I got, and we'll get a better sense as the documentary goes along, but it seems like Scotty was very and I don't mean this in a derogatory or in a negative sense, but Scotty was definitely beta on that team. And then as time went on, he, to do it. and, but as time went on, then he began to understand that he, in order for him to get paid, like what he was actually supposed to get paid, he needed to be more alpha. And that's why he ended up going, going to other teams to get, to get paid. Well, and it's just, know, he goes to a very small college, you know, he's not like wildly, widely recruited. He has this huge growth spurt later on in life. Um, you know, he, he wasn't Jordan. He wasn't highly sought after his entire basketball playing life type thing, you know, and I know, shut up. I know that he was, he was cut from the team as a sophomore. I'm saying Jordan as a senior in high school had a very different experience than Scotty as a senior, nowhere near the same yeah. type of recruitment. And yeah. I just think that that, that plays into, it just has to affect you, right? Like, Scotty was never really the guy. Like he was in his tiny ass little college town, but I don't know. No, like, I mean, he, he he never he never had the time to build that ego. He never had the mean. time un, until you know until after that fourth championship or that fifth championship to really be like, hey man, like I, I really should start getting my cut. And I would imagine that a lot of it started to build when Jordan retired. And they still won 58 games. Like the first time that Jordan that Jordan retired. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. He's like, what the hell? And and I get it. Like, the thing is, like, you can make you can make all the case you want that he shouldn't have done it, you know, year two, year three of that seven-year deal. And I might be able to go along with some of that, but when you're talking about like the last year of the deal, that's very normal. To be like, hey, I'd like a new contract, please, so that I have semblance of security. And if not, I'm going to bone you and get surgery like the day before the season starts. Like, yeah, and then and and then Jerry, Jerry Krause's handling of Scottie Pippen and J Jerry Krause's handling of Phil Jackson, telling him that I don't care if you go 82 and no, this is your last year of coaching. It's like what? That was Are not you fucking well known, kidding me. That wasn't widely known. That was a revelation last night that he no that and and that's it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Are you, so you're telling me there's actually a scenario, there's a world where the Bulls go they go a perfect season, and I get that that was probably hyperbole, but just the quote, if you're taking the quote at face value, that's insanity. You should be deserved to get fired. If Jerry Reinsworth knew anything about that, it's like oh. Okay, you're not thinking rationally anymore. 
Bye. Yeah, and You're it, gone. it clearly was personal. And, you know, people have talked about this, but Phil obviously flirted with taking the Memphis job when they were in the playoffs, I believe, the 92 season. I don't, don't quote me on that. But, you know, clearly, clearly he took it personally um, that he was doing that. And, but what I thought of is like, even if you are going to rebuild, like, step one, get a good coach. What are you doing? Oh, oh, wait, you have one. Yeah, like he's already <laughs> in the building. Like if you're going to rebuild, why do you not want a good coach? It, it, like just n- nothing makes sense to me. And that's why Reinsdorf looks really good so far. And from what I've heard, he comes out looking pretty good. I really need to see somebody be like, hey, like if Jerry wanted to have this thing keep going, he could have. But he was too damn cheap. And by the way, that's a fact. That's That's been widely reported. He was too damn cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for us to be on brand here, we need to bash Jerry Reinstorf for at least a little bit. So hopefully that's in the coming episodes. I, I would like to actually give out our first uh, sports award, though, Tim. Uh, I, I was thinking about this. Um the the lucky son, the luckiest son of a bitch award. Who do you think? I'll give you one guess. Who do you think I'd be giving that to? Oh, from the doc. Oh yeah, from the doc. Who 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 in your mind do you think I'm going to say is the winner of the Tim and Tony podcast, the luckiest son of a bitch award? Whoever that guy was, that really old guy who was working for the newspaper at the time. I think he's pretty damn lucky. Like, no, no. The, the the luckiest son of a bitch award, the inaugural one, and we might actually just rename it, uh, name it after him. Um, Phil Jackson. He got over his career. Oh. He got arguably. We're gonna do this now. Greatest- no, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna talk on it much, much more in the coming in the coming episodes. But I just wanted to give the give the people a little taster. Phil Jackson got to coach Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen in their prime, and he got to coach Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal in their prime. I can't think of a more lucky person than, in fact, the rest of. It, I can't think of someone luckier. I I, I really okay. can't. Now, Phil Jackson is great in his own right. He is, obviously. He wouldn't have as nearly as many rings as he does because, obviously, when you have those great of players, it's very easy for that to topple. And for him to A lot of great players who- never reach that level. And Jordan sure. widely, widely always has given a lot of credit to Phil for getting him there. And Absolutely. Also with Phil, it's the same thing with Kerr when he was picking between the Knicks and the Warriors. It's like there is some brain power that went into him picking the right situations as well. I, You know what? I don't think there's that much brain power that needs to be put to not have James Dolan as your boss. No, I agree. But at the time – Which, which by remember, the way – People were like, are you serious? You're not taking the Knicks job? You're going to go to – you're going to go where? Why? Yeah, but see, here's the thing, Tim. You know who did decide to have James Dolan as their boss? Phil Jackson. Yeah. So, so you know, again, luckiest son of a bitch award. Congratulations, Phil Jackson. I, I, I'm very happy for you. You're welcome to come on to the podcast uh, to accept the award. Um, you know, we'd love to have you. I have a lot of, I have a lot of questions um, <laughs> about both Jordan and Kobe, but yeah, you know, congratulations. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, Tony, where can they find you on social? Uh, they can find me at T Felix 3412. How about you, Tim? Uh, find me on Instagram at T Leduc 32. That's at T L E D U C 32. Um, we're going to be back later this week, actually, guys, with a second podcast. Um, we're going to be doing something that's pretty cool. We got another guest coming in that I think you're really going to enjoy. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. Um, Shout out to all the fact checkers out there. We're, this next episode is going to be for you. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. We'll uh, see you later this week.
All right, J Duff, play us out. Rather have no part than anything. Rather have no part.